This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 1019 FM, the fan, WFAN, New York. It's 243 here on this New Year's Day. It's JJ, John Shostensky right here on the fan. And to help us navigate the college football playoff and maybe a couple of the games manana, my long-lost pal, he's out of hiatus, he's out of hibernation, ready to rock, the professor of college football handicapping, my main man, Professor Johnny Masty. What's up, Professor? Oh, good afternoon, JJ, and Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Well, it's good to have you, my friend, and let's start here. I think this is a very interesting spot for one Justin Fields. He did not have a particularly good regular season. Um... I know a lot of Jet fans want nothing to do with him. Do you look at this game against Sunshine, against Trevor Lawrence, as like a major resume type of game, for better or worse, as far as what the perception will be of him going into draft day? You get that sense, Professor? Uh, I get that sense to an extent. I mean, it's very hard to get an idea of what Justin Fields has been this year if you look at the game against Northwestern, the Big Ten title game. You're without Alave, your top wide receiver, with the COVID protocols. Uh, it's been a very disjointed season for the Big Ten overall, especially for Ohio State, where this game's on, this game's off. We're out 25 players this week. We're out the wide receivers in the Big Ten title game. On top of that, Fields had been dealing with a thumb issue, a thumb injury. So there are a couple of things that have uh, risen during this shortened season for Fields. But then again, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't had the best track record recently uh, at the professional level. Okay, Professor, from the numbers standpoint, this line was at 7.5 for a while. Publix pounded Clemson, got to 6.5. Now you got the buyback at 7. You think that's a short number? You think it's a fair number? And what do you look at as the determining factor, one way or another, to who's going to cover this 7-point spread? Uh, I think the number is fair. Uh, when they were doing the look-ahead line for this semifinal, for this matchup of Clemson-Ohio State, it was Clemson by three. Uh, to give you an idea, perceptions from the Big Ten title game with how Ohio State looked on top of how Clemson looked with Lawrence really in gear against Notre Dame in the ACC semifinal, or ACC championship game gave you the idea that uh, Clemson to a seven-point favorite. Um, 
I my huge question mark in this game is what can Ohio State do to slow down the Clemson offense? Uh, Lawrence, Etienne, how Amari Rogers and EJ Williams have looked at wide receiver. Clemson's got a lot of weapons. And I mean, this is not a slight against Ohio State secondary, but when you lose Okuda, you lose Arnett, you lose Fuller to the NFL, uh, those guys are not easily replaceable. When you lose Chase Young to the NFL, that guy's not replaceable. So even if you have a good defensive line, saying that you don't have the defense that you had last year, I mean, that just speaks to the monsters that they had last year on defense when you look at Ohio State, whereas Clemson has their guys back. Lawrence is back. ETN is back. Rodgers is back. Um, there's no J.K. Dobbins for Ohio State running the football, which he did to great success last year. So I just see some of these mismatches uh, offensively for Clemson versus Ohio State's defense. Now, Ohio State, Nolan Turner for Clemson is out for the first half of this game because of the targeting penalty late against Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. And he is Clemson's signal caller. He's the leader of the Clemson defense. So you're kind of looking to see how Ohio State does in the first half of this game against the Clemson defense, if they can take advantage of Turner's absence, get the ball downfield, find, establish the running game with Sermon and Master Teague, and really keep the pressure on the Clemson defense before Turner's back in the second half. Okay, Professor, let's get to the other game. Look. <laughs> Notre Dame, and I know you're a Notre Dame guy. Professor loves his Irish, but he's fair with his Irish. He'll tell you point blank when he thinks it's a nightmare. Notre Dame in these spots. Professor, I'm thinking about it. In the playoff or in one of these big boy bowl games, I, I feel like they get their doors blown off repeatedly. I see 19 and a half. Now, I never like laying 19 and a half, but how in the world do I make a case for Notre Dame to keep this game competitive? I just can't do it, bro. I can't. Oh. Well, can we go back to the ACC championship game for a second? Sure, we can. Notre Dame's up 3 nothing, right? They are. They are first and goal from yep. the four. That's true. And they get stopped because they line up in the shotgun with four yards to go. I wish coaches would have a New Year's resolution that they get the quarterback under center and not give up six yards every time they have short yardage or goal to go. But nevertheless, that aside, they get stopped on three plays, and then they hit the upright on the field goal. No good. And then Clemson... It's uh, Lawrence, it's Rogers, touchdown at 7-3 Clemson. So Notre Dame's got the potential to go up 10 nothing in that game, and they don't do it. Clemson's got the lead 7-3. Notre Dame's got the fourth down play. Book, slightly off target, dropped, throws behind receiver on fourth down, then Clemson takes control. So there were plays that Notre Dame left on the field against Clemson. And I'll be forthright. This Notre Dame team, everybody wants to bring up 2012, the Manti Teo team that was in the national title game undefeated. That team should have been a 19.5 point underdog. That team would be a double digit underdog to this year's Notre Dame team, which is to give an idea that Notre, this Notre Dame team is significantly better than the one eight years ago, but it shows how much you have to improve in order to step up against the likes of Alabama and Clemson. I mean, because of the way recruiting is, Alabama and Clemson were already ahead of these other programs. And even if they miss in recruiting, uh, they still have a ton of people, a ton of options that are going to be able to step forward. So that all being said, what Notre Dame needs to do, there's a big question on Alabama right now. Uh, Landon Dickerson, their 
All-American center, the transfer from Florida State, injured in the SEC title game and is clearly out. Chris Owens is sliding in to play center. Now, I speak from experience that Notre Dame's offense has not been the same since Jarrett Patterson got injured in the Boston College game, and he left the center position. Notre Dame offensive line's been leaking oil because of injury. Zeke Carell, who was supposed to be the backup for uh, Patterson, he has had an ankle injury. He came back, was clearly not 100% in the ACC championship game. Tommy Kramer had an appendectomy before the North Carolina game. His first game back was against Clemson. He didn't look 100%. So Venables overwhelmed the A and B gaps and brought pressure up the middle against Notre Dame. And the Notre Dame offensive line was slow. Ian Book got bottled up, and they just looked uncomfortable. I think the two weeks off will have done the Notre Dame offense good. And Notre Dame can create some matchup issues offensively, utilizing Kyron Williams out of the backfield, utilizing their tight ends in Tremble and Mayer uh, against Moses and the Alabama linebackers. Notre Dame, in order to slow down Alabama offensively, and they're not going to stop Alabama offensively. Alabama has too many weapons. But Notre Dame has to move the ball down the field. They have to utilize the tight ends, keep the Alabama offense on the sideline. And when the Alabama offense is on the field, they got to attack them. I mean, Mac Jones completes nearly 80% of his passes when he doesn't face pressure and averages over 11 and a half yards per reception when he's not facing any pressure. So if you drop back and nickel or dime, uh, he's going to cut you to bits. Meanwhile, he only averages six yards of completion, and his completion percentage is down to about 60% when he faces pressure. But he only faced pressure, only faced a blitz on 25% of his dropbacks. So teams are playing conservatively saying, well, we can't let him beat us deep, and then he busts them apart anyway. So Notre Dame's got to attack. You're going to give up big plays. You have to expect that. In order for Notre Dame to have a chance, they got to keep Alabama somehow under 40 Okay, Professor, we got the great Professor of College Football Handicapping, Johnny Massey, joining us here on this New Year's Day. Professor, I know you don't love these two games, but if you had a plan for the audience, Notre Dame-Bama, Ohio State-Clemson, how would you handicap the sides? Uh, how would I handicap the sides? Meaning, I think you, would you put, you, if you had a plan, who would you take? If in, I had a plan, I, w- I would see, I will take Notre Dame getting 20. Okay. I see it at 19 and a half now. Also, I hate playing for a backdoor. And I know Notre Dame get drubbed, get drubbed. Cincinnati should be should have been in, or A&M should have been in over Notre Dame. But anyway, I've seen also in these national semifinals, if Saban builds up a lead, also Oklahoma got through the backdoor twice against Alabama, despite the fact Alabama was blowing their doors off in the first half. That Alabama takes some foot off the gas, knowing that, they have another game next week. Um, so, but I'm, again, I'm not strong on that. I'd probably, the play I would take most in that game is Alabama under 42 and a half. Cause I do think they will take some of the players out. If they establish a big lead and have control, just control the ball, plow it on the ground, punt it away and let it run out the clock. Um, the same way. I don't think Ohio state will be able to slow down the Clemson offense I like Clemson's team total over 37. I think they're going to score points. It's the question, can Justin Fields and the Ohio State offense keep pace, especially in that first half? Okay, Professor, before we get you out of here, appreciate the time. If there is one other bowl game that you'd lock in, I know there are a bunch tomorrow on January 2nd, 
You have a play you really like? Well, I did. Um, and then I've been plagued by the opt-outs because uh, I first look and I plugged in early. I had North Carolina plus seven and a half against Texas A&M. And since I've put that in, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, two of the North Carolina running backs, have opted out. Deami Brown, their number one wide receiver, has opted out. Their middle linebacker, Chaz Surratt, uh, who switched from quarterback to linebacker and is kind of a blue guy in the North Carolina defense, he opted out. So I feel uh, less than confident in how that has gone with regards to opt-outs since I've played that. And I, I like Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. I think that's a team that really wants to be there. I don't think Brock Purdy is going to throw three interceptions like he did in that game against Oklahoma. And I think uh, Matt Campbell and that senior-laden defense uh, is going to get the bowl victory in one of these New Year's Six games uh, against the Pac-12 champion of Oregon. My dude, the professor, Johnny Massey, always bringing the heat with his college football insight. Professor, Happy New Year. Enjoy the festivities. We'll have the previous national championship game coming up in a little bit. Take care, all right, bro? All right, thanks, JJ, and Happy New Year to everybody. They have a good stuff there from the professor. We'll dive back into these games. We'll also get into Week 17 in the NFL. Whole lot of intrigue in the NFC East. Somebody's got to win this division. Is it a must for the Giants to say, we had a successful season? Does that equate to a win Sunday against the Cowboys? Hour two, JJ, we're in for Carton and Roberts on this New Year's Day. We'll come right back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.